Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. Well, good morning, Celebrate, and welcome as we start a new series called A Country Christmas. In a world that everything changes that quick, it's good to go back to some old-fashioned Christmas traditions like the movie, It's a Wonderful Life. Any of you watch that movie? That's a yearly staple for Cindy and I, and I, I still cry every time at the end when the little bell rings. Songs like Silent Night, Joy to the World. Christmas traditions like the Christmas tree or hanging of stockings. Well, I so love Pastor Keith and so respect him, and he's asked if I would, if I would launch this series off because if we're going to go back in time, you need somebody who is really old. At least that's what was said. <laughs> but, you know, they, people say, well, read, listen, age is just a, a matter of how you think. It's a matter of how you feel. I know, but there's a, it comes to a point where the number signifies that you're old, okay? Reminds me of a story of a young boy who was walking on the street of his town one summer, and he saw this old, old man on the front porch of, his, of a house, and he was in a rocking chair, and he thought, man, I bet that old man has a lot of life to explain. Man, I could learn a lot of things from him. So he went up to the porch and said, old man, old man, what would you tribute to your long, long years of life? The old man was silent for a while and he kept rocking. He said, well, I smoke a pack of cigarettes every day and I drink a bottle of alcohol every day and I eat all the fat I can. (laughs) The boy was quite stunned by that, wasn't expecting that. But he said, old man, how old are you? The guy said, 36. (laughs) Well, however old you are, Would you open up God's word to Matthew chapter one, Matthew chapter one. We're also going to be looking at Luke chapter two, so if you want to do both, that would be great. You know, when I look back on my life and my Christmas memories, there's so many of them, obviously special foods, special gatherings, special music, but the one that is the most meaningful to me was in our church where you had the annual children's Christmas program where everybody would come together and they would reenact the Christmas story. Any of you grew up in a church that had something like that at all? Man, that, that was a favorite part of mine because all the kids participated. Everybody had a, a part. My part usually was a barnyard animal of some form. I, I was great at being a donkey and still can be that way today. But, but that was it. But there were three parts that, man, if you could be one of these three, oh, that'd be Mary, Joseph, and the angel. Well, I, I wasn't good enough to be an angel. I wasn't a girl, so I couldn't be Mary. But man, I, I wanted to be picked to be Joseph. Just wanted to be picked to be Joseph. Have, have you ever wanted to be picked for something? Maybe it was in grade school when at recess time, you just wanted to be picked. Or maybe it was a school dance, and you just wanted to be picked. Or maybe it was for a job situation, you just want to be picked. What would it be like, though, to be picked by God? I mean, all of us are picked by God to be a part of his forever family when you accept Christ into your life and give your life to him. But I mean, what would it be be like to be picked by God for something special? Here's the question I want to ask today. What was it about Joseph that God picked him? What was it? We'll come back to that in a second. Some might say, well, 
read that, that story is 2,000 years ago, okay? Things have changed since then, and, and you're right, they haven't, and some things, to be honest, need to change. I mean, I remember when I was in school, I saw some fashions and hairstyles that <laughs> they needed to change. Some of you might remember some of these. I mean, these are fashions, and you just go, okay, that has to change quickly, okay? <laughs> my, 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 my word, and maybe some people here even wore something like that. Crazy, crazy. And, and one of the reasons these styles needed to change is because there was hardly anybody that could really make them look really good, really good. Yep, yep. And, and you wonder why Cindy chased me. You wonder. There's the reason. But I think this. I think there are some things, though, that should never change, including some country values. Values like always tell the truth, integrity, hard work, make a commitment to something, carry through on it, manners. Would we agree that some of those values should always be there? So let's come back to the question. Why did God pick Joseph? Well, we know this. It wasn't because of what he said, because you might know this, that in the Bible there's not one recorded word, period, by Joseph. Nothing. So it wasn't what he said. What was it then? And here's what I believe. I believe it's because of one country value that Joseph had that, man, I wish I, wish I saw more. But I also believe this. I believe that if we could have that value, I think God would pick you. He'd pick me. He'd pick us if we had that value. So what is that value? To set it up, I want to tell you a story. You don't have to turn to it. It's in 2 Kings 5, but I'm going to tell you a story I think that really exemplifies it the best. Because in the story, it's a story of two different things. One is the king of Israel. So we have king of Israel, and you have a prophet of Israel, Elisha. Then you have another king over here, the king of Aram. And he has a commander who is just great. Man, he's great at war, great at everything he does. The king loved him. Problem, he had leprosy which is a very contagious and deadly disease. It's hard to bond with your men when you have leprosy. Just hard, okay? His name was Naaman. So those are the players in the story. Aram, they had some invaders come over, capture some things of Israel, and one of the things they captured was a young girl who became a servant of Naaman's wife. This young girl one day is in the laundromat down by the river washing clothes, and she makes a statement. She says, oh, how I wish my master could meet the prophet. Because if he could, he could heal him of his leprosy. Well, that kind of news traveled up the chain pretty quickly. In fact, Naaman went to the king and said, here's what she said. And the king said, let's do it. So the king sent Naaman with a tremendous entourage of all the royalty that they could bring with them, money, everything else, with a letter to the king of Israel, saying, here we come, prevent this to you, and would you please cure him of leprosy? And the king of Israel goes nuts. He's saying, what, what am I, God or something? You're asking me to clear him, clear him of leprosy? I mean, how can that be? They're, they're wanting to pick a fight. They're, that's what they're wanting to do. Elisha comes in and says, just chill out, dude, just chill out. Send him to me. So we pick up a story, and here's what it says. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and waited at the door of Elisha's house. 
But Elisha sent a messenger out to him with this message. Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River, then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of your leprosy. So go ahead and picture this. Naaman's here, full regal attire, all the entourage. They're expecting something big. They're expecting the prophet to come down and, oh, I've heard about you. Absolutely. Boom, we're going to make a big deal. <laughs> Elisha doesn't do it at all. Elisha says, the servant, uh, yeah, they, okay, you're the guy. Go dip in the river seven times. Goodbye. And Naaman is furious. In fact, here's what it says in verse 11. But Naaman became angry and stalked away. I thought he would certainly come out to meet me, he said. I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call in the name of the Lord his God and to heal me. Aren't the rivers of Damascus, the Habana, and the Paphar better than any of the rivers of Israel? Why shouldn't I go wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned and went away in a rage. I mean, here he is pomp and circumstance, and he gets this word, and he can't let go of two things, pride and control. And he goes, I have never been so insulted in my life that you asked me to dip in a muddy river when our rivers are way nicer than that mud hole. Are you kidding me? And he says, home, we're going home. This is one of my favorite, favorite stories in the Bible. So, Verse 13, but his officers tried to reason with him and said, sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? So you should certainly obey him when he says simply go and wash and be cured. In other words, they say, listen, Naaman, Naaman, if the prophet had said, go climb this mountain on your hands and feet, you'd have done it. Or do this extraordinary feat, you'd have done it. And then in my paraphrase, I love the next line, they said, why don't you just do what he tells you to do? That's what he says. Why don't you just do what the man told you to do? So, Naaman went down to the River Jordan, dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed him, and his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child, and he was healed. It's it. It's the value it's a value that Naaman showed, finally, that healed him. It's the same value that Joseph had, that God picked him. What's the value? Obedience. Obedience. Just do what the man told you to do. Why did God pick Joseph? Joseph simply did what God told him to do. The definition of obedience is this. Compliance with an order or request, submission to one's, another's authority. A definition of biblical obedience is to hear God's word and then do what it says. In fact, it's interesting, the word obey is in the Bible 432 times in the New Living Translation. Obedience, friends, is a big, big deal to God. So here's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at Four reasons obedience is a big deal to God and how Joseph showed these that God picked him and God can pick us too. So let me ask you a question. How many of you want to be picked by God? Okay, then do this. Just put your hand out, would you? Just put your hand out. Say, Father God, would you teach us now? I want to be obedient. Amen. Here's the first reason that obedience is a big deal to God. Obedience to God proves our love. Would you say that with me? Obedience to God 
proves our love. So we're in Matthew chapter 1. Let's start reading part of the Christmas story. Verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. <laughs> Bombshell. You ever had something come out of left field that you didn't see coming and blindsided you? Man, that's the key here. I mean, Joseph had it planned. Going to get married, family. You ever done that where you had the strategy plan, everything planned, and something comes out that you didn't see coming? In his case, that my fiance is pregnant? Are you kidding me? And while he's trying to wrap his head around this and understand, he makes a choice because to, if, if Mary had been unfaithful to him, he had every right to divorce her and to make it very public. In fact, he could have publicly shamed her and that would have been all right, according to the people. But it says that he didn't want to do that. He didn't want to do it quietly. Why? Because maybe he understood another word from God that said, love your neighbor as yourself. And so he did that. But then look in verse 20. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, here's the key words, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded. Let me say it again. He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home to be his wife. There it is, the country value. Obedience. But it's not just this one time you see it in Joseph. Anytime Joseph is mentioned, you see obedience. Look at verse 24 and 25 together. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage or have sex with her until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. Think about this. He never got a honeymoon. I mean, I stalked my wife for six years before he married. I was fired up for our honeymoon to be with her, obviously start life together and to consummate the marriage. Joseph never did. In fact, he took all the responsibilities of a husband, all the responsibilities of a household and yet denied himself and didn't touch her sexually until after the child was born so there could be no even possibility of a child being linked to him biologically. He obeyed God, even in that. Then it says when he named the child Jesus, another act of obedience, we just read it, it says in Matthew 1, and he called his name Jesus. Luke 2 says it this way, he was called Jesus, the name given to the, by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. See, when Joseph named him Jesus, he adopted Jesus as his adopted son. This was huge because the lineage of the Messiah was to come through the line of Abraham. You can read that in the first chapter, Matthew. Abraham to King David through then to the Messiah. Joseph was in that line. Had he not 
done that. If he had not married Joseph, uh, married Mary, then Mary's lineage was not in there. It was Joseph's lineage. So by doing so, he adopted him and he obeyed God in that way. I wonder, why, why did God pick Joseph? And what I began to realize is he obeyed. He never argued. He never gave excuses. He never gave any opposition. He never even questioned. He just did. What would God do with a person, a people, or a church that never argued against his word, never gave excuses, never any opposition, never questioned, just did what the man told you to do? Obedience. Here's how 1 John explains that obedience to God demonstrates love. 1 John 5. And I'm going to ask, would you read this with me? 1 John 5, here we go. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. So if you love God, you keep what? When Cindy and I were married, just like if you're married, you did the same thing, stood before a pastor, and you gave vows, and vows to love and so forth, until something do us part. What is that word? Till death do us part. So if I said this past year, okay, since January 1st, I have been so obedient to that vow to be faithful to my wife, I have been obedient 99% of the year. Absolutely, it's been totally on top of my game. 99% obedience. Only three times this year did I have an affair. 99% of the time, I was totally obedient to my wife. Was I obedient? No. Because 99% obedience is 100% disobedience. And that's what we have to understand as people. When God says to obey, it's not 99%. My obedience proves my love to God, just like my obedience proves my love to my wife. Here's the question. Is there any area of my life, any area of your life, we are not 100% obedient to God right now in? God wants to pick you, but obedience is a big deal to God. It proves our love. Here's the second thing that obedience does. Obedience to God demonstrates faith. Say that with me. Obedience to God demonstrates faith. Now look at Luke chapter 2. If you want to turn over there, starting in verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Corinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And when I, when I look at Joseph, I see that he not only obeyed God, but he obeyed authority. Because this was a word given by Roman authority. Go back to the lineage of your town. In essence, pay your taxes, okay, if you say that today. And he did. And because he was obedient to that, again, fulfilled a prophecy that the Messiah would be born in the town of Bethlehem. Old little town of Bethlehem, about 300 people. And that fulfilled it. See, you cannot separate faith from obedience. Yet, we do it all the time. Would you repeat this after me? Obedience, Obedience. is better, better. Than, obedience. 
than sacrifice. It's a story in 1 Samuel 15, King Saul, chosen by God, and given a specific responsibility and very clear responsibility in a certain period of a certain battle of God exactly what to do. And he did it 99%, but not the 1%. And when Samuel the prophet challenged him and says, wait, 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 you didn't completely obey. You know what he did? He argued, gave excuses, gave opposition, questioned. And because of that, God said, my hand's off of you. Man, I don't want my God's hand to be off of me. I don't want that. See, obedience to God demonstrates faith. First John chapter 2 says it this way. When we obey God, we show our trust and faith in him. And we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. Did you catch the if? If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, key verse, they say, I know God, but doesn't obey his commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is now we know we're living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Any of you like oatmeal? Any oatmeal eaters here? I, I like oatmeal. Actually, oatmeal is very, very healthy for you. And when you put four tablespoons of brown sugar on it, it is another, it's just another level of oatmeal. It's great. But let's say this. Let's say you're going to have a bowl of oatmeal. And you go to make it and you realize, dog, almost all the dishes are dirty. You ever done that in the sink? Oh, we'll do it in the morning kind of thing. And you realize, oh man, all the dishes are dirty. Ah, but there's one bowl in the cupboard. Which one are you going to take? You're going to take the clean bowl. You're not going to put the oatmeal in a dirty bowl. You're going to take the clean bowl and that's where you're going to do it. God cannot put his hand on you if the bowl's dirty to bless you the way you want to be blessed. God is looking for a clean bowl, a clean vessel that he wants to put his hand upon. Obedience demonstrates faith. Here's the third thing that obedience does and the key to God. God rewards obedience. Say that with me. God rewards obedience. Back to Matthew 2, back to Matthew 2, verse 13. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you. For Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. And here it comes again. So he got up. No delay. No delay. Instant. No questioning. Took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. It was crazy. When, when Joseph obeyed God, he literally left everything. He left his home, his work, everything he'd known, and went to a country he didn't know. But he obeyed God. Back when he was told to come back, okay, then later, same thing. God said, okay, come back. And he did. But he didn't come back to the original town. He went back because he wanted to protect Mary, protect the baby Jesus, his adopted son. He wanted to protect him, and so they went to then Nazareth which is key, again, to fulfill prophecy. You know what I realized? Joseph never asked a stinking question. He never said, well, well where, where in Egypt do you want me to go? 
I mean, like, like, I mean, just what am I supposed to tell my friends? I mean, what, 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 what work do you want me to do there then? I'm going to earn a living. I mean, if I come back, then what was that? What am I supposed to say to people? What? He never asked a question. He just did one thing. What was that? He obeyed. That's all he did. He obeyed. See, when I look at the Bible, I see that God over and over and over and over again rewards obedience. Now, God's love is unconditional. God loves you and I unconditionally. God's blessings, are they conditional or unconditional? They're all conditional. And that's why people don't understand it. God's love is unconditional. But all of God's blessings are conditional. All of them. If you, then I. That's how he does it. I have a lot of conversations with couples, and especially those who are thinking about getting married. They're living together. And I love the conversations because I ask them, I said, do you want God to love you? Absolutely. Well, he does. He does. He absolutely loves you. But here's the question. Do you want God to bless your relationship, bless your marriage? Yes, he can't. He can't. In fact, the opposite will happen because God not only can't bless it, he has to curse it. Rewards are based on obedience. Luke eleven twenty eight says this. Jesus replied, but even more blessed are all who hear the word of God and put it into practice. We live in a world where everything is about my intention. I had good intentions, though. My intention's really good. <laughs> Can I say it this way? Obedience, not intention, determines blessing. And God wants to bless you and I. He rewards obedience. That's why he rewarded Joseph. Do you want to be picked by God? Do you want God to bless you beyond what you can imagine? Bless your family, bless your marriage, bless everything that you do. Obey. Just do what the man says to do. That's how God works. Here's the fourth reason obedience is big to God. Obedience is an act of worship. Say that with me. Obedience is an act of worship. Look at Luke chapter 2. We're back to Luke. And at the end of eight days, in this little passage, you're going to see something repeated three times. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, there's one, they brought him up to Jerusalem and to present him to the Lord. As is written in the law of the Lord, that's the second time the law is mentioned, every male who first opens a womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, Three times, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Then in verse 41, it says this. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. Joseph wanted to make sure to do everything that the law of God said. Everything was here. He wanted to make sure did it. So he had Jesus circumcised on the eighth day. They took him to the Passover every year as a part of that, teaching him to understand that the law of God and worship are the same. Worship is not something you and I come to do for an hour. It's what you and I do every day as we obey. That's worship. Salvation is a free gift. It's a free gift. But then out of, out of recognition of what God's done for me, I want to obey. Just like out of my love for my wife, I want to do things for her. Here's how Romans 12 says. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God 
because of all he's done for you. How many of you say God has done incredible things in my life? Absolutely. So out of that, it says then, let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. How many of you are parents? How many of you are parents? Okay. Let me ask you, what carries more weight with you? What your children say or what your children do? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's what they do. We know that. There was a father of five younger children, and he won a toy, a pretty nice toy at this raffle. But he has a dilemma. Which of the five kids is going to get her? How do we divide this? So he said, okay, here's what I'm going to do. So he went to the five children. He says, okay, here's the prize I won, but it's going to go to the child that is the most obedient. So here's the question. Who always agrees with their mom, who never talks back to their mom, always does everything the mom said? Kids all went, the toy's yours, dad. See, we are to be people that say, okay, I obey immediately. In fact, Jesus has a parable in Matthew 21. He says this. He says, there's two sons, same dad, and the dad says, go work in the vineyard. First son says, nope, not going to do it. Ah, but later changes his mind and goes and works. Second son says, sure I will, and doesn't go. Jesus says, which one obeyed, first one or second one? What do you think? First one, because he did what his dad told him to do. See, when children obey their parents, they honor their parents. When you and I obey God, we honor God. That's how we do it. Back to our question. Do you and I want to be chosen by God like Joseph was? If you do, then it comes back to the part of, we just do what God's word tells us to do. Man, that's hard though. Why? Because we're like Naaman. Pride and control. How many would admit you have pride in your life and control? You like control. It's human nature. See, see the issue, when, when we become a believer in Christ, let's say Christ is here and I'm over here, we think this is the deal. Jesus, I really want you into my life, my life. So would you come into my heart, come into my life? I love the things going on, but I want to add you. Nope, not at all. Jesus says, I'll make you a new creature, but you cross over to me. You cross over into my life. You come into my heart. You become a follower of me. And your old nature is dead. See, we think that, but, but I want to, I still have control. Uh, Jesus said, uh-uh, uh-uh, no, no. You drop all that here. You are dead to yourself. I love how Pastor Keith says it. He says this, God doesn't owe me. He owns me. Everything is his in every way, shape, and form. And that's what it has to be. But because of that, man, we're like Naaman. Until we finally let go and just do what the man says, we'll never see it. So how do we start? Let's finish by asking the question. How, if I want to be Joseph, I want to be picked by God, how do I start? Here's the first one. Admit your disobedience. Say that with me. Admit your disobedience. Pastor Keith shared this two weeks ago. He said the number one verse that Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart. What's the next one? Soul and mind. Heart, soul, mind. And Pastor Keith shared what that means. Heart, it's your money. Soul, it's a Sabbath. Mind, your time in God's word. How I look at it is daily, weekly, monthly. Daily, weekly, monthly. 
daily in God's word. Constantly, in day. It's, it's a command by God to spend time, meditate on all the time. Meditating God's word. Sabbath, my soul. Worshiping together. Worshiping together. I know some people are online and that's wonderful. We know sometimes people can't, but man, can I encourage you? Whenever possible, meet physically with people. It's God's command that every week, once a week, we come together and we worship. That's a command by God. Our money to tithe. And some people don't know what that is. Tithe is the first 10% of everything you make. It's all God's, but God says, I'm gonna let you keep 90, 10% return back to me. That's a tithe. Daily, weekly, monthly. All three of those are commands by God. For us not to do any of those three is disobedience. And yet I see it all the time when I have conversations with people and they wanna argue, they wanna question, they wanna delay it. God can't. You have to admit your disobedience. Here's the good news, though. When you admit your disobedience, does God forgive us? Absolutely. Here's what it said in Jeremiah 31. I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. Obedience is not a skill. It's not a talent. It's a decision. 24 hours of obedience. That's all God asks. That's how I got out of my addiction. 24 hours of obedience. Every day, one day of obedience. That's it. Tomorrow, if I wake, my, wake up, my eyes are open, 24 hours of obedience. That's number one, admit your disobedience. Number two, spend time in God's word every day. Say that with me. Spend time in God's word every day. Did you like the movie Jesus Revolution? Did you notice what the hippies brought to church with them when they accepted Christ? It wasn't their shoes, right? They didn't bring no shoes but they all brought a Bible with them. And the pastor said, okay, held the Bible and said, this is the word of God, we're gonna learn from it today. And they all had it. Can I challenge all of us? Bring your Bible to church every Sunday. Bring it. Don't just sit and listen. Because God has something he wants to teach you. But during the week, get into God's word every day. Here's how Psalm 1 says it. Blessed is the man or the woman who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates how often? Day and night, day and night, every day, daily, weekly, monthly. I heard one person say this, don't, don't study God's word. Let God's word study you. It's a good way to do it. So admit your disobedience, spend time in God's word every day. Here's the last one. Apply God's word immediately. No delays. Apply it immediately. Here's how James 1 says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, you walk away, and you forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law, the word of God that sets you free, and if you do what it says... And don't forget what you've heard. Then, conditional blessings, then God will bless you for doing it. Do, do you think Joseph had any concept of what his obedience would mean? Do you think he had any concept that 2,000 years later we'd be talking about him today? Do you think he had that thought? Never thought it. Do you think that his obedience, he had any thought that 2,000 years later, billions of people would recognize Jesus as the Messiah. Do you think he had a thought about that? Man, 
man, I want to be Joseph. I really do. You know why I love Joseph? Ordinary guy. Never said a word. Never did a miracle. All he did was obey God. Boom. Period. No arguing. No questioning. No disagreement. No delay. <laughs> why, why did God pick the hippies to start the Jesus revolution back 40 plus years ago? <laughs> they just obeyed God. Do you believe God wants another Jesus revolution? The key is this value. Would we be such a people like Joseph that just does what the man tells you to do and then let God take it from there? I want to be Joseph. Do you? Do we? Heavenly Father, we love you with all of our heart. God, thank you for your word. 2,000 years later, it's as true now as it's ever been. Man, God, forgive me. Forgive me that I want simply to add you to my stuff instead of dying to that to enter yours. God, help us to be obedient. So God, maybe it starts right now. If there's an area of your life that you know you've not been obedient, you've been disobedient, just right now to God, admit it. Just admit it. So Father God, thank you that you forgive. But God, as we now spend time in your word every day, every day, and do what it says, God, pick us. Pick us to be Joseph now. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless. God bless.